Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our podcast, the illustrious uh, and wonderful Louisiana born and raised Bearcat, um, who just graduated not too long ago uh, with her uh, degree in her doctoral degree in education. Please welcome with me, Ashley Strickland. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you here. So one assistant director to another. Can you tell us, because I actually forgot to mention what your title was, because it's early in the morning when we're doing this interview, but could you tell us what your title is and then kind of explain what that means, what like what you do at your job? Absolutely. So yeah, just like you said, so assistant director of academic support. Um, and really that just means I oversee um, academic support programs at Northwest. So the two, three big programs are tutoring, which I think most people are, are most familiar with, supplemental instruction, which most students call SI, and the student athlete success program. So oversee those, oversee the students um, that work for us in those programs, and then also have a coordinator now who's helping with all of those programs, Lindsay Holt, which I know you guys talked to her a little bit before too. How many student employees do you have in total in like that you hire in those positions? It varies a little bit. This semester, we are sitting around 46 student employees. And like I said, it's a mix. So some of those are tutors, SIs, some do a little bit of both. Some are mentors who help us with student athlete success. So one of the things that we like to do is we kind of, we just like to hear you tell your stories uh, to kind of illustrate the point that while all of us have this idea that you're kind of born knowing what you want to do with your life. And you're like, I'm going to be a police officer. Right. And you just go do that. Like that is so false. That never happens. So can you go all the way back to young Ashley sure. who had her first job and tell us what your first real paid job was? Sure. All the way back to like 14 year old Ashley or however. Oh, okay. So before before college. Okay. Well, this is gonna, this is gonna show my Southern roots, (laughs) but I worked as a cash at the cash register at a Winn-Dixie. So a very popular (laughs) grocery store chain (laughs) in South Louisiana. So yeah, bagging groceries, checking, checking customers out. Um, did that for a while in high school before I switched gears and started working at a daycare in town. So when you, so when young Ashley was like, I shall go get a job, did you, was the Win dixie I'm assuming kind of like all of us who had kind of those first jobs, was it just a place where kids went to get hired? Like what, like grocery store, like what sent you on the grocery store trajectory? Yep. I actually think um, it was a friend who said, Hey, I'm already here. Um, and I know we're hiring. And um, I ended up driving pretty early compared to my friends. I was older than most of the people in my grade. And so it was sort of like a last minute thing, like, oh, shoot, I have a car now, um, you know, six weeks into 10th grade, I, I should probably go and, and find something. And a friend mentioned it and, it and then boom, it just happened. All right. So, okay. So when Dixie, and then you went to a daycare. 
Yep. Like working, like, was it an in-home daycare or like a, a, like a center? Were you teaching the kids or what were you doing at the daycare? Yep. It was a center. And basically what I would do is I'd work like three hours a day. So I'd get out of high school and drive over to the daycare and work mostly with the after-school kids. So grade, you know, they, not the infants, not the babies, um, mostly with the, the students who were basically doing what I was doing, leaving school, but young enough to where they still needed care. It was fun though. It was, you know, play, it was a lot of play, we played kickball. And, you know, so it was something that kept me active and was fun. And I knew I wanted to teach at some point. And so it was something that just kind of got my foot into working with younger people. So when you went to college, so you already knew at that point that you wanted to teach, um, did. how did you choose your college? And so you declared education major right off the bat, like you talked to a lot of students about advising and moving through college. So how did you experience that for yourself? So I'm actually embarrassed <laughs> to tell this story every time I tell it, uh, because I don't think this is the best thing for seniors in high school to do, but I had no idea where I wanted to go to school. And I applied to a, a couple places in state and um, actually to what I consider like the Northwest of Louisiana. Um, we call it Northwestern State University, but apply. So all across the state, and I, seriously, I made no moves. I don't know if I just thought it'll happen. It'll get figured out. Someone will figure it out for me. I don't know. But I did not decide until probably two months before classes started. I did not declare where I was going. I got, and when I got an acceptance letter from Louisiana State University, which is where I ended up going, I think it was one of the last acceptance letters that I got. And it was you know, and when you're born and raised in Louisiana, it's, it's a, you know, the, the place to go. It's a, it's prestigious, I guess, for people who are, who are raised there. Um, and so I think that just kind of answered it for me. Like, okay, I got, I got in, here we go. Not inspiring story. <laughs> you must've been a pretty good student though, to get into LSU last minute. I, they don't just take everybody. I wouldn't imagine. I... Sure. Yeah. And, and I, I wasn't, um, a rock star by any means, but I, I was a, I was a good student. I was a good kid, um, did what I was supposed to do. And I, I think it just, as, as the acceptance letters came in, I just, I, I don't know. I want to go back and, and, and think about what I, what I thought was going to happen because I just didn't make any moves until the la the very last minute. So I don't know. It still gives me anxiety thinking about it today. <laughs> I think that it more common than you think. You know, I mean, I just you're you're a kid and you're not used to this is like a big, like your first really big life choice, right? Like I have to make this decision for myself of where to go, especially if you're getting a lots of acceptance letters, you know. I only applied to one place, which made my choice easy. Either go or don't go. So <laughs> All right. So you declared that you were going to be an education major right off the bat and just went right into the education program. I kind of moved around a bit. So I did pro what's probably more common than what people think. I did change it here and there. To be honest with you, I don't even remember what I bounced back and forth between, but eventually ended up back in education, which is what I started in. And what level, what subject matter were you? Um, secondary. So middle school, high school, and uh, did English and social studies. I had a great advisor who really encouraged me to stick around for a little bit longer and get certified in, in more than one area. And I'm glad I did because I, you know, the, the people who gave, gave me my first teaching job basically flat out told me like, we love when we get people who are dual certified because then we can use you 
and and mix things up and from year to year use you how we need you the most. So really grateful for that. Did you hop into teaching right after that then? I did. Yep. Went straight, straight into um, teaching high school. Did you teach both of those subjects? What was your... I did. Yep. And then they did just what they said they were going to do. You know, once a ma- one term, I might have been teaching two English, two sections in a civics class. And then, then, and then the next semester, I was teaching a, a freshman world history course and two sections of English three or, you know, they just kind of moved me around. Obviously, you're not still teaching. I mean, in the high school level. So how many years did you teach at that level? And then what prompted you to make a change? So I taught for three years at the same school. And, you know, as much as I, I love teaching, I, I really did love it. And I felt like I, it was something that I was good at, but it's a challenging job. You know, I think, and I think we can all, especially now that we are experiencing teaching from home and, and different things like that, we can all value and appreciate what teachers go through and, and what they do on a daily basis. It was, it was a lot of stress. And I'm the kind of person that takes my job really seriously. And I think it just boiled down to at the end of the day, I couldn't see myself doing it for 30 years. Like what most teachers before me, like generations before me, they got into teaching and they taught, that was it. And they taught for 30 years. And so I just started thinking like, you know, I love this. I feel like it's going okay, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if this is something I want to do forever. So just started looking into grad school and thinking about what I wanted to do. My mother-in-law was actually a college librarian at the time. And I really loved, she was a, um, worked at the reference desk and I really loved going in and watching her. And I kind of felt like it was a little bit of teaching. Like she worked lots with students who were working on research projects and things like that. And so that just kind of launched me into the next path. And I started grad school after my third year working on a library science degree. And where'd you go to, where did you go for that degree? Did you go back to LSU? I did. Yep. And then ended up getting a graduate assistantship that totally changed the trajectory of what, of what I would, what I ended up, ended up doing. And what was that? I got hired to work with student athletes. So we have a huge um, academic center for student athletes at LSU, basically a center devoted solely to student athletes in their academics. So advising is one piece of it. And then the other half of it is academic support. So tutors, mentors, um, navigating things like that. So just started off, jumped right in um, working with some pretty at risk student athletes who just needed a little bit of support, helping them schedule with some of the student staff, tutoring and things like that, but then also working with them as sort of a learning specialist um, to help them navigate college. I imagine that was quite the experience because, you know, LSU, a D1 school, lots of athletes probably have professional sports, you know, in their sights, even if that's not where they end up. So, probably a little different than working with the athletes at Northwest, even though we still, we have phenomenal athletes. It's not quite the same as a D2 school as it is as a, at a big D1 school. Yeah. And the, and the pro, you know, that can change their mindset a, a lot of times when, you know, and you're, you're spending a lot of your time trying to motivate them about what they're doing here and what they're doing in the classroom. So you graduated with your library science degree. Did you set out to be then a librarian? You, you got, you got into the student athlete program. And so then you know, your degree is not, not exactly matching up with where your, your working interests have developed. So what happened next? They actually ended up hiring me full time after I finished um, grad school and I loved it. 
I loved everything about that job. It was challenging and it was, but it, it was a fresh kind of job because, you know, ended up working with different students for the most part each, you know, each semester. It made me feel like, okay, I'm using what I just finished doing for the last three years, just in a different environment. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you think I'm getting this education degree as an undergrad and therefore that equals I'm going to teach in the K through 12 system for the next 30 years. And that's not necessarily what happens. And, you know, you can use those skills and, and everything that you learn and take that with you into these other roles. And I use, I still use what I learned in those three years every day. It was a good, it was just a good place to the a next step after teaching. That also translates back to if I'm getting a psychology degree or if I'm getting a, a marketing degree, you know, I think it, it it's kind of a fallacy that these specific jobs must specifically line up with each of these degree paths. But truthfully, as long as you have that degree and you've learned some skills, honestly, it doesn't matter. You you could have been, you could have had a marketing job or you could have had, you know, another job. Your degree doesn't necessarily, except in teaching. I mean, you have to have sure, a teacher's sure, license yeah. to do that, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to match up with the job title that you have after. Absolutely. And I think when they, when they ended up offering me the full-time job, they were, I had to have a master's degree, but you're exactly right. They didn't care what the degree was in. They just wanted experience working with students, experience in some sort of education field. It didn't even have to be K through 12 experience, but just looking for skills that they could, that would translate. So how did you then get to Northwest if you're helping LSU student athletes? How and how in fact did you get here? Great question. So that's a, it's a family affair. So I didn't want to leave my job. I loved it. And I really loved the people that I worked with. We had a huge team, but my wife ended up finishing her PhD at LSU in music education. And if you work in higher ed, especially if you teach in higher ed, a lot of times you just have to go where the jobs are, right? I think when she was applying to teach um, music education at the time, I think there were maybe 12 jobs listed across the country. And so we... She started throwing applications out and, and touring schools and things like that. And Northwest happened to be hiring a percussionist who was a music education person. Um, and it just ended up being the perfect fit. And so I had to make, make the decision and it was to, to go and support my family. But I happen to know, I happen to have insider knowledge because at the same time as I was starting as a GA in that department... Up comes Ashley. So you did have, you found a position here on campus when you came. Can you talk about that? Well, my, my boss at LSU said, look, you need to, who was a great mentor to me. He said, you need to get on their website and start looking at people who are in similar fields as what we're doing and start making contacts because you never know what's coming down the pipe. Um, even if there isn't a job posting, you never know what's coming. So I did just that. And, and you guys That's know. That's big advice, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is all the advice <laughs> right there. Um, but you guys know Dr. Galbraith. So I found her name and I sent her my resume and I said, look, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I've done before. Think about me if, if there's anything that comes up in the academic support world. Um, but we'll be moving here in a few months. And she didn't have anything right away. And she said, but, but I have an entry level position. If you're willing to stick it out for a little bit, 
I have these ideas for what I want to do in the academic support world um, that involved athletes, but then, but also involved um, underprepared students for college. So I have, I have some ideas and uh, things that I want you to help me with down the road. And so I took the entry level position and it happened to be in what's now, I think we would probably call it the student success center. It was back then the talent development center basically like an office manager and helping with everyday logistics and things like that. And then Dr. Galbraith was right. She ended up um, creating an academic success coaching program that I kind of slipped into after that. But I think you're right, Hannah. I think that if my boss wouldn't have told me that, I don't know if I would have thought of it on my own. Like I was looking at the Northwest website for job postings, but I don't know if I would have had the guts to reach out to someone and that, and that would have changed everything. I think there's another key piece in there, though, that I even, in fact, in my excitement overlooked. (laughs) Um, And that's the fact that in the position at LSU, when you were doing that work with students, that was something that you loved and wanted to continue doing. So I'm not necessarily like advocating, like if you're working in a marketing job, that's meh. And, you know, your spouse wants to move, like, don't go to another meh marketing job, you know. It's not the same thing when you're you're not really truthfully invested in what you're doing. But if you are invested in that, I think that's a that is a that is one of the biggest pieces of advice. Like if you are invested in that, it doesn't matter if that doesn't exist or correlate exactly with what is at the new position. Like like you can be a part of the vision to make things better. You're right. I think there were times along the way too that library jobs popped up. And I was technically on paper qualified for that. But what I had done in that grad position, that turned full-time position, just totally changed my trajectory. And I knew that that wasn't what I wanted anymore. And so just taking a breath and and waiting for what I really wanted to, to come along and come to fruition. Which is another huge point, right? That whole patience piece of being able to, you know, really, really do what you feel like you're called to do, I guess. And knowing that, you know, you, you, you made your choice because you could have, you could have made more money as a librarian, right? Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Right away, right away. You could have made more money. Yeah. And I preach this to students all the time. You can go and you can right away make a lot of cash, but that's not necessarily the best investment of your time and energy. And I think the taking a job that you're really kind of overqualified for, you know, that it can build and something can be created around your skill set. You know, we we have those conversations with students all the time of, you know, that instant gratification of a job that, you know, you get a lot of money at, but it isn't what you want. Like sometimes if you take that lesser position and have a chance to build. Yeah. Don't be too proud. Absolutely. And don't be in too much of a hurry. A lot of college students are ready to get out of here and get into the working world. They're in a big hurry. And, you know, sometimes waiting is not the worst thing either. And especially, you know, I mean, this is the same advice I would give to a person who's had 10 years of a career. Sometimes, you know, it, it's not that we learn, we learn things once we go out into a job, you know, I think there's always a hurry, a push to, you know, make more money or be more prestigious or, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for marinating if it's a place where you really feel like you're doing good work. I just, there's so many living examples of that here on campus that I, I can't even begin to, to, to say all of them. You're right. But we ended with you as a career coach and you're not a career coach now. So there's another little piece of this story. So talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So I worked as, so we ended up getting the the coaching program on the ground. So the academic success coaching and great program that works with students who either come in underprepared for college or end up on academic probation after their first semester. Loved that gig. I loved working with the peer mentors that were assigned to that program. Loved working with the students. It, it was a, you know, a mix of students who were maybe just lacking motivation in, in finishing college and they couldn't figure out why they were here or, or what they wanted to do with their, their lives. And then, like I said, sometimes it was just students who just needed an extra push. Maybe their educational background wasn't as strong as, as their peers. And so they needed a little bit more support in that first semester, but really enjoyed that. That program actually ended up sort of being like meshed with the first year advising program when that got created. And so eventually switched over into being a coach. So helping with the coaching program, but also advising first year students did that for a year. And then a coworker decided that he was going to take a job somewhere else. And so his job opened up, which is what I'm in now. And I don't know, I think I just felt like it was sort of going back a little bit closer to what I had been doing. It was a little bit more teaching, more student, you know, guiding and training and student employees, which I think kind of brought me back to what I was doing, teaching high school and teaching, helping student athletes at LSU. It just seemed more like a fit and kind of more of what I was looking for. Talk to me about the doctoral program, because as one of the, uh, I don't know what to call us, people who decide to go back to school when we're slightly, you know, over the going to school phase, like it's a, it's a big challenge. So what made you want to pursue that? And um, tell us about your experiences with that. So I actually, I'm going to have to send her this video because I keep mentioning her, but I have to give some more credit to Dr. Galbraith. So she was just really huge support system for me when we first moved here and just talked a lot about her experience in the program years before and just kept giving me a little bit of a nudge. And so I started thinking about it. It was something that I had never thought about. And I'm not just saying that. And even though my wife had gone through a PhD program, like it just, I don't know, it just never occurred to me that that would be necessarily something that I I did. And so started thinking about it. And at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do forever and ever. And so it seemed just like the perfect fit for me. I knew I didn't want to do completely online, um, a program that was completely online, but I also couldn't, you know, like you said, I'm 30 something years old and, you know, can't just pack my bags and and go to a school that has a, a program. So this program was just perfect for me because I could spend a lot of time with my cohort in the Northwest Kansas City area. And then in the summers could go down to Mizzou and spend a lot of time on campus there. So just, it ended up being the perfect fit for me in terms of pro like delivery and mode of delivery, but also I knew I wanted it to be an education. And I started, especially since I got that library science degree and realized I'm not really ready to get out of the education world. And so it was like, okay, I need to I need to loop back and bring that, bring that bachelor's degree back and do something. So what was your, what was your dissertation project over? What did you, what did you do your research on? Really interested in diversity in general. And what, that was another nice thing about this program is we had what's called a dissertation in practice. So something 
you know, that we're working on constantly the entire program. So it's not like, you know, my wife did a traditional PhD. So she finished her two, two years of coursework and then, then started, well, this was something we, we were sort of gradually working on. And so, um, but I ended up looking at um, student experiences on campus who were LGBT, but also from rural areas. And so I kind of took a look at what, how their identity development progressed from coming from a very rural high school experience and what that experience was like to coming to Northwest and, and how that changed and what campus climate was like for them, how they felt about resources on campus. After all of our, our, our talking and all of our stories, um, to kind of swirl back around since you've been here, mm, I tr- I, it's 2021. So excuse me, I'm not quite used to that yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do my mental calculations here. So this would be your eighth year. Yeah. Right? Okay. Start of the eighth, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Around there, it seven and a half, close to eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does it mean to you to be a bearcat? I think, man, she is going to get a big head when she listens to this video. So I'm going to bring it back to Leslie, <laughs> to Dr. Galbraith. So I think it's support, and I think it's finding your people and helping each other through whatever it is that we want out of this life. And I know that sounds really broad, but from that first day on campus and experiencing just her mentorship and um, her genuine care about people and humans and, and what they think is important and what they want for their lives and not just about what we can do for Northwest, but what we can do for Northwest, but then also what's going to be good for you too. I think it's about those kinds of people like Leslie that really we sort of just take care of our own and, and make sure that we're hitting our goals. And it's not just, you know, um, coworker to coworker. That's exactly how I feel like we treat our students too. That it's, you know, we, we have these people in these positions who are going to take people under their wings. Yeah. That's a very good insight. Leslie, if you're watching, you get in contact with us. We'll have you on the podcast too. (laughs) Leslie also hired me as a, uh, actually as an SI instructor for general bio. And then I was a botany SI instructor. So, and then she hired me as a GA the same time she was hiring you. And then I know. And and then I got hired in your librarian position though. I didn't have the degree for it. So I feel like our paths are kind of intertwined, Ashley. It's kind of a strange, like we were all, we're all right here doing kind of this weird, like figuring out where we fit in. Yeah. I love it. But definitely Leslie had a big part in that. So sure. that, that might be an interesting exploration for our podcast. Yeah. You guys need to reach out to her. Bring her back. <laughs> Any last questions, Travis? No, I mean, I think that, that covered it a lot. I think it's really cool. You know, you had that mentor experience and now I'm sure that there are folks that you work with and students you interact with where you get to be that person. And that's really, really cool. So thank you for all you do. You're also really active. We didn't talk about it, but you're also really active on the staff council. And I'm also part of that. And I, re- I appreciate all the work that you do for that. So thank you for that as well. Thank you guys. And thank you for having me. One last thing. Yeah. I've been giving everybody a wide open space at the end of the podcast to just share 
what they feel like sharing. COVID kind of precipitated like free form sharing and I kind of like it. So what have you been thinking about or, you know, what's on your mind? Um, you know, you mentioned COVID. I think it's just what a time to see what some of these students are capable of. I think I've got to give props to my student employees who basically flipped everything that they do on its head and still served their peers. You know, our tutoring numbers were pretty much on par with the last few semesters. And I remember just thinking at the end of the fall, like we made it, we did it. You know, we flipped everything on its head and we had way more online tutoring appointments than we've ever had ever um, to try to meet students where they are if they're in quarantine or isolation. So I just think this is something that students are going to be able to use when they're in interviews or, um, you know, whatever it is about how resilient they are and how they overcome challenges. That's amazing. Yeah, they're all going to have great answers for telling me about a time you had to overcome adversity. They've got it. So they're set up for life with that question now. Absolutely. There was this year... When I yeah. <laughs> remember 2020 and that's all they're going to have to do. So for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Ashley. You've been a great Thank guest. Thank you guys. I enjoy podcast. talking with you. <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for another episode of behind the Bearcat, And we will talk to you next time.